on a mission, on a quest, on a search for discovering the truth. Join us on our journey to discovering a savior. Welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mirdle. So the last episode went a little longer than we thought as bit. we were talking, and uh, we decided that we're going to just split the episode into two parts, uh, just so that way you're not sitting there listening to us talk for like an hour and 30 minutes. I keep saying that people can just pause the episode, but two is better. Yeah, two helps. Yeah. So uh, we're going to pick up the conversation right where we left off from the last episode, so enjoy. Let's get into the other part. Yeah. The baby was born. And Mary gives birth to Jesus. She wraps him up and places him in a manger. What? Or a cave. Yeah, that's been one of the things yeah. recently. I was just like, okay, there's no room in the inn, so they're at the manger. And there's a current thing going around over the past few years of, like, it was most likely a cave. Because mm-hmm. that's where, like, the animals would have been kept and this, that, and whatever. And I know at one point it used to be, oh, the, the animals were kept down below the house. Right. So that's where they were. So definitely as we learn more about the culture and context, mm-hmm. what people put out there. But the one thing is clear is that he was born in a very lowly state. Right, right. And again, I think this is from uh, R.C. Sproul's. He said, in contrast, the concept of the one true God, creator of the universe, choosing to enter the world as a humble peasant in a cave and being celebrated by homeless shepherds is a stark departure from the worship and wealth, strength and courage associated with the other gods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what a difference of uh, the God of the universe coming in and being born in this lowly state, whether you want to you wanna keep to your uh, nativity scene a manger in a little thing, trough, or you want it in a cave where it's like this stone kind of trough or uh, what have you. Um, either way, we know that he was born in poverty. He was not born into wealth and strength or any of that other stuff uh, that you see with the other gods. He was just born in there. Um, do you have anything else? I do have this weird thing about Mary and Joseph. No, I'm good. All right. So uh, this is one last thing with the uh, relationship between Mary and Joseph that uh, I got from our Orthodox brothers. And uh, history suggests from them, it says history suggests that Joseph was an older man uh, with children yeah, becoming Mary's guardian so that it wasn't necessarily um, he was uh, going to marry her, but more like take her under her wing, his wing to protect her because he was older, had children. Uh, this arrangement, it, it, I got this all from uh, Stephen DeYoung, so I'm going to read some of what he said. He said this arrangement was likely due to societal norms against women having no rights. They couldn't get a job and support themselves. Uh, The gospel doesn't explicitly state Joseph's fate, but external sources from early 2nd century indicate he likely passed away, uh, aligning with his absence in Jesus's adult life. This information contradicts the idea of Jesus having siblings through Mary and challenges the assumptions that Joseph and Mary were officially married. Uh, So meaning that uh, Jude, James, and all the other siblings of Jesus were Joseph's children. Right. Uh, this is why they would stick to the idea of that Mary is the virgin. Yeah, perpetual virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he was more of the guardian. And then this is an exact quote from him uh, because I like Stephen DeYoung and sometimes the way he phrases things. Uh, he said, but it's also important 
because again, a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters will say, well, if that's not there in the text, then I don't believe it. So they may have, uh, have had relations after they were married, and these are Jesus' brothers and sisters through Mary. I would point out it never says if they're going to say, well, we're just going to go by what the Bible says. Okay, it never says, uh, never are those children referred to as Mary's children. They are only referred to as the children of Joseph and as Jesus' brothers and sisters. They're never referred to as uh, Mary's. Jesus is referred to as the son of Mary, but James is never referred to as the son of Mary, uh, Mm. and neither are the other ones. And to take it one step further, nowhere in the gospel does it say uh, they got married. They were betrothed, and then Joseph disappears. And that's why he's known to the church as St. Joseph the Betrothed. It never says they got married. So my response to the argument and it's for modern Protestants because the early Protestants didn't believe that. Martin Luther, John Calvin, all believed that Mary never had any other children, every single one of them. Uh, so that's kind of his take on it. Uh, for me, when I was looking at it, it does explain a lot of like the absence of Joseph during critical events, the wedding yeah. in Canaan, um, where he's mentioned, his brothers and sisters were. Uh, there's also the thought, too, then, that hit my head of... Where where I kind of was like, I, I'm not saying I'm on board with this or anything like that. I'm just, I, I love just to throw different ideas out there, yep. different thoughts. Uh, but what it made me think of was then, and I've always wondered this, why would Jesus at the cross tell John, this is your mother and now this is your son? If Jude, James, and the others were out there, why was John given charge to take care of Mary? So it did kind of help that thought then make sense if, those aren't Mary's children and those are just purely Joseph's. Well, yeah, they're not going to want to take care of her. But one of the disciples is left to then tend to her. So it did make somewhat of a sense to me. But I mean, there's a lot. I just want to throw it out there as something oh, fun. That, that's really cool. And I like that. It's interesting how some of that does pervade into like common Protestant evangelical thought. Like I've definitely heard the Joseph was older bit mm-hmm. and looking at oh he was older and she was younger you know some pegger maybe around 14 years old and, and that right. kind of thing happening so i've heard that part before um i have heard the kind of caretaker part come out before mm-hmm. uh, not that it definitely not as common as him being older which is weird he's like oh yeah he's older because that's just culture mm-hmm. and then there's the extra level like well in that here's how that that could have went um that thing of him already having children Obviously, that begs the question of like, okay, well, what was the previous marriage right, and right, what right, all of yeah. that? Which, hey, if if that's if he's older and he had a wife that passed or you know whatever, it's, it's all plausible. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting take. I do appreciate the breakdown of how the children are spoken of. Mm-hmm. That it's Joseph's kids or it's the brothers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is that I think that that is important because we tend to just like, oh, yeah, his brothers. Therefore, it's his brothers. Uh, One of the things, though, that caught my attention is just in the section of Luke that we were reading. That would be Luke 2, 7. It talks about that Jesus is the firstborn. Right. Which is like, yes, he would be the firstborn because he was the firstborn. But why would you. Why would you differentiate first if there wasn't a second? Mm hmm. 
you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you get that same firstborn word coming out. I looked it up real quick, concordant, concordance a bit. And basically, like, he's the firstborn among many. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the firstborn of all creation. Yeah, so it's that yeah. concept of just, like, it doesn't, especially when spoken of of Jesus, it's not like, oh, he's the firstborn because then he had other brothers and sisters from Mary. But grammatically speaking, that would be the word to use. So right. I don't know, just I'm right. You sprung something on me and I was like, wait, it just said yeah. firstborn. And I just, hey, say it how you want. I'm sure that the mm-hmm. Orthodox as well as the Catholics would have a reason for that mm-hmm. as to why that word was used. But that's just my immediate thing. Like, why say firstborn if there's not a second? Right, right. Yeah, th- those are some of the things that caught my eye too. I really just brought it up because I feel like sometimes when we're looking at things, we get caught up in a mm-hmm. way of looking at it. Like mm-hmm. you're saying totally at the beginning of like, we just get taught something and it's just what we repeat over and over again. And uh, like I've mentioned before, you know, the, the our Orthodox brothers and sisters, um, they go back to historic history. They read stuff that we're not reading. They study things that we're not studying and they go back deep. Um, and it's the same thing with Catholics. You know, the, that goes back deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes just taking a look at what they're understanding uh, and really it's trying to like, for me, it's it's not looking at it to change uh, my denominational belief or what have you or all that other stuff. It's really looking at it to make what's being said in the pages come to life. Yeah. And how can I see God better in it? Did you read that Martin Luther held that mm-hmm. viewpoint? Yeah, that she had no other children. Martin Luther, John Calvin, and then Ulrich Zwingle. Zwingli? Zwingli? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the three reformers that's there. That's interesting. And See, that's even a point that I find because you're talking about going back to the early church, mm-hmm. like early, early. Um, you're saying like, oh, I'm not trying to change any denominational mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, even within our own denominations, from where those started from, the beliefs wouldn't necessarily be the same. Right. So it's, right. Not, it's not like you're starting to say, oh, going back to Orthodox, here's how they viewed it. It's just like going back to Calvin. Mm-hmm. That's how he was viewing it as well, which there's can be the argument. Well, yeah, he was a product of his generation. Yeah. And he was coming from the Catholic Church, so he was trying to reform stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but maybe upon further examination, he would have, like, maybe he said some mm-hmm. extra stuff about it. The reason why I was bringing it to that is just it would be interesting to go back and see what the early church writings were right. concerning that. Yeah. But obviously, they were enough that coming all the way up to the 1500s, it was a, it was a held viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So... Interesting. I like it. It, it makes uh, a little sense to me in my brain when you're looking at what was Joseph's purpose in the whole grand mm-hmm. scheme. Uh, it was to take care of Mary because obviously a a young girl pregnant and saying, I got God's baby in me, that's not going to fly in any society. Yeah. God's providence over that one. Huh? Right. And then when you look at uh, Joseph was around in Matthew for taking them to Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, getting the dream and then taking them back. And then we see, uh, we'll see Joseph later in Luke as Jesus has a young child in the synagogue. And then that's it. Yeah. You know, it's like these key points that Joseph's put in and then he's gone for the rest of that. And, you know, was his role there to be protector, guardian of not just Mary, but child Jesus, you know, baby Jesus. And uh, to make sure he got to these places safely. Because again, if, if there's no Joseph, there's no trek to Egypt because that is not a safe trek for a woman and her child by by themselves. Um, 
it, it can be dangerous. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a cool thing. I, I just present it as something to think about and mm-hmm. chew on for everyone and not to say like, hey, you have to go and start believing this or say we're saying heresy. It's just it's out there. In line with the thing, though, of the myth that's true, mm-hmm. just in trying to discover a savior and stick to the truth of what things are. I think that you just presented something that's new to me as like, I want to align myself with the truth as much as possible. Right. And not just like, well, no, I should immediately dismiss that because mm-hmm. of, right? So, yeah, I think it's a challenge to all of us. Maybe if that's new to you. Yeah, it was a challenge in, to me. Dig into it a little yeah. bit and see, you know, where, where that stands. And I guess I can say it with this caveat, just in case it's freaking anybody out. To say that they were Joseph's kids doesn't mean that you need to go full-blown into whatever you think perpetual virginity of Mary means mm-hmm. to other people. You're allowed to just accept that like, oh yeah. no, those were Joseph's kids right? without it being the other thing. So like, yeah. it, it, it's okay. Minor adjustments can can work. Right. All right. Let's cool. move on I'm, to I'm some... I'm glad sh- you threw that in. That wasn't a small thing. That was cool. Let's talk about some shepherds. Well, you're already calling them homeless. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, the, the quote I read from. Yeah. The homeless dudes. Right, looking at these shepherds, homeless shepherds, right? Mm-hmm. These shepherds looking at this thing of even a myth that's true. We get an interesting thing going on here. We get a double punch as far as a myth goes, is that you have shepherds who, but this is a bit of a cliche that I'm recycling, just like, yeah, they were the lowest status mm-hmm. in in the culture, in the community there, right? Nobody really liked the, the stinky shepherds and as the, as the preaching points go, right? They were down there. Nobody really liked them. They were just out there in the fields doing their thing. Um, so you have that. And you have years, the message of the birth of the Messiah is presented first to these shepherds, which kind of as we were talking about the highlighting of the women. And the low class. Right. And and the women and the poor and the low class. We have this happening again here to where just like, yeah, the way that God is doing things is he's showing that like, no, I'm I'm for these people. Mm. Right. This is Mm. for everybody. And just like. He's not trying to be like, oh, no one's going to believe me if I send these. He's just like, no, it's fine. Like, I want, it's good news to the shepherds, just mm-hmm. like it's good news to everybody. But as far as telling a story goes, you generally wouldn't pick the shepherds as the here's how to make it believable. Right. Just as far as, oh, the myth that's true. Mm-hmm. It's doing that thing of you're shooting yourself in the foot mm-hmm. if you're trying to like present a story. Um, but then you have the other part of the the myth that's more on the, as we would say, traditionally mythological, is that, okay, so they're out in the field and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom with he is pleased. Charlie Brown. Is it? Yeah, Linus. Like that's the most famous thing from Charlie Brown Christmas. Linus just reads that. Oh, he does. Yeah. I'm so distracted every time that movie's on. (laughs) I'm we sure, just watched as it you recently, said, I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I could peg it, yeah, yeah. but also I'm not paying attention. Yeah, we just watched it recently, and, and uh, it, it is like, okay, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. It, it's coming in, into my mind there. That was just out of left field. <laughs> Honestly, when you're reading it, that's how I, I didn't even hear your voice. I heard Charlie Brown. 
Christmas story reading it. But they're right. This myth is like, okay, so it's going to these guys that nobody should trust. Right. And it's also in the sky, a multitude of heavenly beings appearing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, to a materialistic, secular world that we live in today, that's hitting two things of why would I trust these people factually? Right, right. And also, really, there's mm-hmm. just spirit beings appearing in the sky? Yeah, I, I mean, today's world has set up that if someone sees something appear in the sky that Lock them up. Lock their conspiracy nut back. I mean, I I guess more recently our government has said that UFOs do exist. So, but do you remember when like the SpaceX thing just like happened over here in the neighborhood? Yeah. And like it was this big old boom like thing across the sky. And it was like, what is this? And then we learned it was like SpaceX launching a shuttle or whatever they're doing. Good cover. Good cover, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's see, that's the thing, right? That becomes a myth. Or I I had a friend. A coworker, and she just was the sweetest lady I've ever worked with. And one day she comes, and she knew me at, at this time, especially. I was really into conspiracy theory stuff. I'll listen to conspiracy theory podcasts all the time. Um, so she knew I was a little out there with some of the things I would listen to. And she was like, just her face was as straight as anything. And she's like, Chris, I saw a UFO today. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, look. And she showed me the video of like this. Yeah. Thing on her screen. And her son worked with us and he's like, Mom, stop it. We've already told you it's not a UFO. And she's like, I know what I saw. It was up there. So going back to what you're saying about the angels appearing, like the the quickest way to make something non-believable is to write something appeared in the sky. Um, that were not beings that we know of. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, here here we have Luke doing that. Uh, I did want to touch on the shepherd thing because you're talking about them not being trustworthy. Um, Moses was tending the sheep when he was called. David was a shepherd when he was anointed. And our buddy Amos, famous Amos, mm-hmm. was a shepherd before becoming a prophet. So uh, although um, they were looked at that way, it was it's, it's again this, uh, and I think we've talked about this throughout the podcast, this, upside down thing that God does yeah. is that he's using these shepherds to be the first evangelists of the Christian church. Uh, their testimony would be worthless in the court of the day, but it was valued by God. And he entrusted them to be the first humans to proclaim the gospel. Uh, they heard the gospel. They went to go see Christ, jumping ahead of a little bit. Uh, they saw, believed, and then went out and proclaimed him. And then um, these shepherds were so worthless that you know he used use them even when you bring up david because think back to where they were going you're just like hey yeah mm-hmm. the king is going to be coming from this family over here and david just wasn't even considered yeah, he wasn't just even like, thought of yeah he's out in the field he's a shepherd sheep. boy yeah 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 and even amos when he gets kind of uh talked down to by the other guy the other prophet mm-hmm. he's like i was just a shepherd i didn't want any of this like but god called me out of it so yeah kind of that lowly state um you talked about the heavenly host appearing yeah and you were the first person to tell me this, and I've not been able to look at it differently since. Uh, but what did I say? The angelic army. Mm-hmm. That it would like we read it, and we just think of uh, hosts with or angels the white, with the yeah. white gowns. That's the choir popped Halo, up. yeah, and like harps and like bring, bring unto you glory to God in the highest, and like playing a beautiful song. But what really appeared, which is why the thing is like fear not again. Uh, were soldiers dressed up in army soldier ready for battle because the king just showed up yes so his army shows up right yeah yeah and and not uh gosh i went like 
30 plus years as a Christian, not knowing that now seeing that I just, I can't get it there. And what I, again, what I loved was it's not an army declaring war, but declaring peace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, going back to August, uh, Augustus, mm -hmm. uh, where he, what is the famous thing? Pax Pax, yep. There it is. Roman peace. Um, that was peace through strength. It was peace through, uh, they would execute troublemakers. They were, they would just be brutal to put down any against anyone who's against Rome. Uh, they maintain social order through death, and that's Roman peace. And here Luke is saying the real peace has arrived, you know, this peace that's not through that. Okay, so discovering a savior. We also, we were talking about, hey, he's, he's not just a prophet, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not just that. In looking at a savior, that's where Scripture says Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. and you're looking at that title of Lord, and that's a title that's given to Caesar. Right, yeah. And so here's the king being born and his army showing up. And the army is saying, hey, glory to God on highest on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. As you're saying, the army showing up saying there's peace and the king is here, right? So when you're putting this together, it's you have a people who are occupied. Mm -hmm. The shepherds know that as well as anybody. And you have like, this is the first entry point of the king and his army showing up like, hey, we got you. Mm -hmm. Peace is coming. Right. Yeah. And it's just such a show of strength. I just figure like I'm trying to picture that in our in our earthly armies, mm -hmm. like some occupied space and then just an army showing up in complete strength. I'm like, we're not even worried. Right. Yeah. Like peace is coming. Mm -hmm. Like we're yeah, we're not stressing. We're We're good here. Yeah, and my favorite part about really this, and and I'm sure like this isn't the mentality the shepherds had, but when we get into the scripture and looking at it, uh, we're thinking of peace. They're they're probably thinking of peace as far as like no more war, mm -hmm. no more fighting with one another, uh, and where like Rome in a sense could give that because they were controlling it. Right. You know the crucifixions were real; they were brutal. Um, Jesus wasn't the first person crucified, and he probably wasn't the last. He was not. Uh, so it was this this con this peace by control, uh, outer circumstances. What the Bible presents to us is it's not just giving to us peace in in uh, outer circumstances, but it's peace from passion, from grief, from envy, from all these things uh, that are in the heart. It's peace from inward, like inward peace, because. And I read this in a commentary. I thought it was cool. It said, the peace God pronounced was the peace that would bring an end to the conflict between people and God. Uh, God didn't declare war on human beings. Human beings declared war on God in Genesis. Repeatedly, starting with Adam and Eve, uh, they go through Cain, uh, Lamech, before the flood, uh, the Tower of Babel, and we could go on and on. Uh, Pharaoh, beginning of Exodus, human beings declared war on God. Um that it was just this thing over and over that we declared our war against God and hear God saying, peace on earth to all men. I am giving you peace. And it's, it's like I said, the peace from all those heart things because when we have a relationship with God, then that's when the peace kicks in. I think of this both and. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if it just stops there, then, yeah, it's like, we have just a bunch of enlightened people walking mm -hmm. around. I have achieved peace and like mm -hmm. I have peace with God. What that does 
and what we get through Jesus's life and his reversal of all of the things that has caused the antagonism between us and God, but also between man to man, mm -hmm. is that you get one of the things coming from the gospel is that now there is no longer any Jew nor Greek. Right. So where they're looking at, oh, the army's coming, and like this is going to squash this thing. The way that it, it squashes, is like, no, what's going to, uh, leading from what you're talking about, the heart has to transform. But when the heart transforms, all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I don't need to be against my Roman oppressors. We can actually transform all of this without bloodshed. Right. Right. It, and it like it it takes place in the not that the other thing doesn't take place in the real world, but like the peace that comes is on the horizontal as well as the vertical. Mm -hmm. And that it it's a crazy thing that takes place is that like it doesn't require bloodshed. It just mm -hmm. is the gospel comes out and you're transformed, and all of a sudden you find that, oh, I'm a child of God, you're a child of God. Mm -hmm. We're brothers. We're sisters. This is fantastic. I think a lot of times that peace that transcends mm -hmm. doesn't come into place until we start off with the peace with God, like making that peace with God. What does Jesus say? Like, what's the greatest commandment? Right. And all of them can be summed up into this. Love God with all your heart and all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, because getting that peace with God, making that peace, what Paul says, uh, while we were still enemies. Yeah. So we were still enemies and in, in not putting down our weapons. I always think of Jacob. He just refused to stop fighting with God, refused to stop wrestling until he was like, pop of the hip. And then it's like, oh, I can't anymore. So I have to make peace. Like, bless mm -hmm. me now and, and all that stuff. Uh, but God does. He, he comes in. He gives us peace. He forgives us. And then knowing that changes us and how we then respond with other people then I can love others and, and have peace with them. Like you're saying, you know, at a time where you're being oppressed, where a Roman soldier could come by and just be like, you walk with me, carry this for a mile. Uh, you had to, you couldn't stop. And that's where Jesus is like, if they say do it a mile, go an extra mile, like show even more love and, and compassion with them. Um, because that's then starting to create this peace with each other where it, it moves beyond the spiritual to the physical. Yeah, because what happens in that situation when you have a Roman soldier who's just like, man, forget this Jew. Right. Like, I'm going to make him carry all my stuff, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're walking and like, why is this guy talking to me so nice? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Like, I know that I can tell him to go a mile. Like, and he's just straight up telling me, hey, man, you mind if I keep going? Like, I'm fine carrying this for you. Right. And you're like, what? Because you're then showing the peace, right? You're mm -hmm. it's it's entering into the real world, yeah. To where oh, what was antagonism is now something different. Be the change you want to see, like all the ways that we cliche yeah. out. But yeah, I, I like watching the Chosen, and I binge it like crazy. Whatever your take is on the Chosen, whether you think it's great or not, uh, one of the things I really like is uh, the end of season one to season two when they're in Samaria. And you see John and James, like, they disdain the Samaritans. Oh, right, right, right. But the Samaritans also, like, don't care for them at all. And you see Jesus go in there and work and do his ministry, and they're just baffled by why. And, and what is Jesus talking about? Like, I'm bringing everyone together. Everyone mm -hmm. comes together. And with this announcement from the angels, peace on earth to all men, it didn't say to all Israelites. It didn't say to Gentiles. It said everybody, 
this is the declaration of I'm bringing everybody together. There's going to be a peace when we come together, uh, but you got to come together and it has to be under me. You know, I, I love that one of the titles for Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. But this has just been uh, this section. I got more from it than I thought I would, because I think this is the first time I did kind of what you did. I looked at Luke as the historian and what he, he was trying to tell us with these things, what he was trying to accomplish. Because those shepherds, why mention shepherds? Why mention that they went to go do this? Why say manger three times? Like the manger was a cue for them to know to go where they would find the Messiah, right? The, the Messiah is born, peace on our earth. How can we trust this is going to be true? He was exactly where they said he would be. Which kind of makes sense if it is a cave. Because if you're just trying to find mm-hmm. a manger in a city, right? that's harder. But yeah. if you go, oh, the animals are kept over here <laughs> in these caves, mm-hmm. you're going to easily find the only people who would be there other than shepherds. Right. And, and, I, and I think, too, like, you know, we have it in our mind that they, like, walked in there and the first one they found was it. But, like, you know, because the Holy Spirit led them straight to it. And, and that could be the case. I, I like to imagine that they were, like. That it was real life? Yeah. Like, no, not this one. Not this one. With all of the crazy, going back to myths, mm-hmm. like stuff that's coming from Zeus and this and that, whatever, would you expect to see Mary and Joseph? Or right. would you just expect that there's like a baby in the manger? Just the baby by itself. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like fallen from heaven. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Yeah, interesting stuff to... And, and would you expect like this baby, and again, this is kind of reading into it, but like what would this baby be? Would it be there crying or just like in peace talking? Like how we read about, uh, what was it, Noah? In, oh, yeah. in uh, Enoch, like he was already talking and praising God. Um, but really, I think overall, what we're trying to get to is like uh, what Luke is doing is he's giving an account of what happened so that we could understand uh, this is that myth that's true. Just in this section, to bring out when the angel appeared, he said, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news, the gospel, mm-hmm. linking all this together. Of the king that's born, there's the heavenly host, the army, and that they're bringing good news of great joy for everybody. Yeah. To frame things in that way, when I look at it for today, again, just even like discovering is it, well, why do we need a savior? It's like, I look at, there's a whole lot of bad news Mm -hmm. when I look at all of the negative and the oppression and the sin and the everything that's going on in this world, like what would the good news look like to especially a country that's so divided like ours to all of these things? It's just like for the good news to come in, the gospel presentation as we present the gospel should be good news. And I feel like sometimes that gets missed and there's probably all kinds of reasons for why, but I feel like a lot of times people hear about Jesus and they're not understanding why it's good news. They might get guilt tripped in a lot of ways. They might think that the church is about whatever the church and all this stuff versus just like, no, no, no. God entered into history to fix all of this stuff. And he's inviting you in to that salvation to where, yeah, the circumstances around might not necessarily change or not right away or whatever. But when you enter into salvation, you change. And now you're living in the reality of what that is. Mm-hmm. And as you come and do that collectively, like, yeah, guess what? As the church started to explode in the book of Acts, guess what still existed? The Roman Empire, mm-hmm. 
Guess who was still persecuting the Roman Empire? Mm -hmm. Guess who was living in the fullness of this good news? The church. You know what I mean? So it's just like, what is the good news there that you're actually entering into? And it's it's both sides of the coin, like you were saying. It's the the spiritual side to where you're reconciled to God and there's forgiveness and there's freedom and there's all of the things and you're starting to walk in a new path and there's that. But then there's also in the like, the effects that that has Mm -hmm. on the earth. Yeah, because the effects of it is like, I could tell you from experience, and I think anyone else could say it, harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment is a weight and a burden on you more than it is on the person that you have it towards. And to remove that burden, it's peace. Mm -hmm. It's the peace of God in your heart then to have peace with the people next around you. Uh, And when you have that peace, then it's like that shackle and chain of all those things, they get removed. And yeah. You could outer circumstances aside, whether uh, whatever empire you live in or wherever you live that you feel like maybe you're being a little persecuted or or oppressed. Or very much so. Or taxed like, I know really that we're kind of around the world with, yeah. with some of these podcasts. So um, You know that the change comes from within that changes you and then that changes the person next to you. Uh, I've always said that the gospel is about changing a person and not a nation and I'll stick to that. Um, if someone is smarter and scholarly and wants to tell me I'm wrong, they can. Uh, but I, I believe that the gospel changes one person at a time and it changes me to then change how I treat my wife and my kids that then changes how I treat my coworkers. And hopefully that love and light changes how they treat who's next to them and who's next to them. And that's where you start getting real change, uh, outwardly as well. Just going along with this thing of good news. This is his birth. Generally, when mm-hmm. we look at what the good news is, we look at death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the gospel. They're being told, this is the good news. Yeah. Here he is right here. And the response to this is amazing because then they go and they find him. And when they see it, they make known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. Basically, what the angels told them, they found the baby. Mm-hmm. Again, confirmed, you're going to find this baby. Swaddling cloth, manger. It's like, yes, we did. They immediately went out and started telling everybody right. what they had heard and what that means. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So just that immediate response to the good news is like, hey, good news. He's here. Go find him. They find him. They go, we got to tell everybody about this. I think that's the other thing about just the gospel and sharing it is, okay, if a bunch of atheistic people don't think that Jesus is good news, I know that it is. Mm -hmm. Think about anything that you hold a strong opinion of. And there's a lot of very opinionated people who can be very, very wrong in their opinions, right? But it's just like, do you like Mexican food? Oh, Mexican food is the best thing ever, right? It's just like, you're not sitting there wondering like, Somebody doesn't like Mexican food. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like talk about and like this is the most important and best thing ever, and we know so much more about what it is, and we've received so much more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at what their immediate response was to like, hey, here's this thing, and they had a here's a a physical touch point to prove that it's true. Go and see the baby. Right. Yeah. For those of us that have received the the gospel truly, received the Holy Spirit, have known and have gone through that transformation. Yeah, we we didn't go find little baby Jesus in a manger. But we've received so much more. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just like, yeah, you, I don't know everything in the Bible. You're going to stump me many times when it comes to the Bible. That's not even fully the point. What I do know and what I have received is just like, I can go out and start telling people, this is fantastic and good news. So just the motivator that's there, just like, yeah, what, what have you seen? What do you know? It's good news. Yeah. Like, that's just there. But it's, it's interesting there that on the flip side, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them. Because she's gone through this experience of an angel came and told me this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I went and visited my cousin. There's amazing things happening. I've been going through this journey. Here I am away from Nazareth. I'm up in Bethlehem. I'm in a cave. I'm in a, not an inn, wherever I'm at, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't know that this happened. It's not like someone, hey, there's going to be shepherds that come and confirm mm-hmm. this. She's just sitting there like, I just, like, I don't know. For those of you that are mothers, after, after a, a birth, you're probably not wanting a bunch of people to show up. Right, yeah. You're trying to recover and recoup yeah. and have that happening. It's like all of a sudden a bunch of shepherds show up and they're like, angels, all of them, the army, they're here. You're here. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, you, you got to imagine that Mary's sitting and pondering, this thing just keeps getting bigger. And that's where like, uh, I mentioned it a few episodes ago where like uh, this section of Luke's account it it had to come from Mary. When I read yeah, that, yeah, Mary yeah. treasured it in her heart. I read that her saying like, all this happened, shepherds came, they told us this, I'm laying there, Jesus is there, Joseph's there, maybe some animals are there. And they told me this and I just treasured it all in yeah. my heart. You, you can't get that information from anyone else. Right, yeah. So again, just going back to this historian doing what a historian does, making sure that there are witnesses. They You could go back and ask these shepherds. You could go back and ask Mary. They'll tell you what happened. And then you could go ask all the people that they told because they were amazed by it. Like he keeps on with that theme of there are so many people that you could go talk to about this. Yeah, to take all this, the myth that's true covering from Jesus is so well attested to. Mm -hmm. Like historical, documentary-wise, all that stuff, like trustworthy. You might not have known that going into it, but it's like, Hey, if, if we're discovering a savior together, suss that out some more. Right. See, see that that's there. Yeah. It's not just two guys on a podcast making this stuff up. It's just like, there's lots behind it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the myth compared to other myths and things going on. Yeah, what what does make Jesus Jesus? But then just going through and seeing the miraculous birth of Jesus and how immediately it just starts flipping everything upside down in just such cool ways and, and what that means for our world today. Um, yeah, I, I like this episode. I was surprised mm-hmm. by my digging into it and your digging into it and, and pulling out what we pulled out. I don't know if we can, would consider next week's as a myth, but it's definitely a question that's out there. Yeah. Or, or even if people might say an answer to it, I think that maybe sometimes the way that we live it out would betray that we might feel differently, which is, does money save us? I agree with you. I think if we would say, like, oh, no, 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 it doesn't, our actions might show differently. So we'll take a look at that. Yeah. Does it save us? No. Salvation comes from Jesus. It's like, you're working real hard for money, though. Yeah, that'll be a good one. All right, I'm Chris. I'm your the. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. The Heavenly Hearing Aids customer service team is top notch. In fact, Let's look at a few calls that came in recently. Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. How can I help you? Yes, 
I was recently told I was going to have a son named John. I'm just wondering, how can I be sure of this? You know, me and my wife are old. Listen, I stand in the presence of God and translated that information clearly to your device. Since you didn't believe me, you are not going to be able to speak until he is born. Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. Do not be afraid, you who have found favor with God. You are going to have a son named Jesus, and he will be the Son of the Most High. How will this be? Go visit your cousin Elizabeth. She is also pregnant. This will be your sign to know I am telling you the truth. May it be to me as you have said. Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. How can I assist you? Me and my shepherd buddies just got a message from a host of angels and are wondering what to do. Yes, yes, I see that in our files. Just follow what they said and you will meet your savior. The Heavenly Hearing Aid, number one in customer service and providing the best help so you can hear from heaven clearly.